Okay, guys, here we go. Uh, turn in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians. Uh, Lord willing, uh, we're working through this book and perhaps the second book, depending on how quickly we move through it. But this is a great book to study. It's a, it's a good book to study because this is where we borrowed the theme that we're focusing on as a church this year, this idea of excelling still more. And uh, we've seen that by God's grace in our Good News Club that, that is bigger uh, than any group we've had in recent memory. We've seen it in our, our formal counseling ministry. We've seen it. Have you guys been here on, on Wednesday? With Awana, we got kids coming out our ears. It's awesome. And uh, sharing the gospel with children and, and building them up, discipling them. Uh, we, we've got um, great adult classes. We, we've got uh, uh, Monday night teaching Hebrews. We've got caring for one another in our home groups and widows. And, and um, there's all sorts of really great things going on here that we all do in the name of Christ. And, and our theme is to just... Keep on going, just to excel still more, especially as we think of caring for people. And we borrowed that from a couple of the phrases used here in 1 Thessalonians that we'll see along the way. So what do you remember about 1 Thessalonians? Or actually, before we get into that, I forgot about this. I put this here because I knew I'd forget. Um, it has come to my attention, and one of you helped me to, to know a little bit about this. Um, last time when I introduced... Uh, First Thessalonians, I showed you the, the Bible Project video. I've used those maybe three or four times now, and I always find them to be helpful. Uh, well, somebody alerted me that there's some theological problems, and uh, so I did a little research on the Bible Project, and um, it's true that the gentleman, uh, the, the, the group that develops them um, are... they got some pretty pretty significant theological issues. So um, I love these because they're, they're great, they're helpful, it's a good overview, and I think just the ones that I've happened to look at are pretty good, but I guess there's some others that are really theologically inaccurate, and even some of the other videos that they've done on doctrine are, are pretty glaring, and you say, well, what, what's the problem? Um, they are um, denying substitutionary atonement, which is kind of important, and um, they seem to be denying the existence of a literal hell and how they think about sin and evil. So th- these are not, you know, small things like, uh, I don't know, they, they, they disagree on the date of Galatians or something like that. I mean, it's, it's a pretty significant thing. So, so first of all, uh, thank you for those of you that let me know about this. And uh, so I would just say, I'm not saying, you know, don't use them, just use them with caution. You know, like any resource, make sure that you're, you're thinking biblically. Uh, but sadly, um, I think I'm going to turn away from using these and see if I can find something else because I, I don't want to, even though there may be some good in with the bad, um, I don't want to misrepresent what Scripture is saying. And um, so just know that those Bible Project videos, uh, mixed report. So, so be careful if you use them and just be aware of those glaring uh, doctrinal issues, okay? Any questions on that? I, I feel bad that I may have misled you. Um, but uh, every resource out there, we've got to be good Bereans, right, and, and, and search the Scriptures and make sure that what we're seeing is true. Okay, so with that in mind, uh, let's review First Thessalonians. Um, look at chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church 
of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. So just by way of review, some things we talked about last time. This is Paul uh, Sylvanus, uh, who is Silas. That's probably his formal name. And Timothy. Uh, Paul is writing this letter about 51 A.D., and uh, tell me, uh, those of you that remember, tell me about a little bit about the background of the book. What's what's going on here? What was the occasion? Uh, who are the Thessalonians? Talk to me here. Yes, yeah, you remember what happened at Philippi? And that uh, Paul and Silas were were beat up. They were thrown in jail. And then you remember the at midnight they're singing and and they're let out of jail. And the the jailer and his his family come to faith. And but the persecution there led them to have to leave. And so they went next to, to Thessalonica where they um, uh, shared the gospel there. And what was, do you remember, what was Paul's habit? When he would come into a new city, what would he do? Find the Starbucks, right? No, no, it's not. Uh, what, what would he do first? Go to the synagogue, right? Because he, he was an apostle to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles. So he would always go to his people, the fellow Israelites, to their synagogue, and he would preach Jesus, showing them from uh, the Old Testament scriptures that Jesus was the promised Messiah. And very often uh, there would be a, a, any, any you know, uh, spectrum of rejection there. And uh, so when they weren't allowed to, to teach in the synagogues anymore, then, then they would turn to some of the Gentiles, the non-Jews in the community, and share the gospel. Okay, what else do you remember? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys, you guys recognize that um, we are spiritually spoiled? We're spiritually spoiled in lots of ways. I mean, we've got Bibles, we've got apps, we've got resources, and we're not persecuted. Now, we, we, and I know, I know you're like, well, what about, what about what's happening in the government and what happened? What's, I know, I know. And that, that's not unimportant. It's just not persecution like most Christians have known for all generations. So these brand new uh, Jews converting to Christianity, Gentiles converting to Christianity, they are being threatened by their government. They are being uh, unemployed by their employers. They are being alienated by their families. And uh, and, and often the, the folks that are doing the persecution is the established uh, religious folks. These are the Jews, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the Jewish leadership there that's causing this persecution. So yes, they're being persecuted. And, and that's what's so interesting when we read this. Um, if Paul didn't tell us they were being persecuted, chances are you would never know it. I would never know it. Because they're doing so well. And um, I think we can learn from that. I think we can learn... Some things here. Okay, anything else you remember about Thessalonians? They did. Yeah. That's right. Correct. Yeah, so they left Thessalonica uh, due to some persecution. They ended up in Corinth, and Paul writes both of these letters from Corinth, um, basically writing to make sure that everything's okay. In fact, uh, he got so worried about them that he sent Timothy to go inquire about their well-being. And then Timothy brought a report back, hey, they're doing really well. And so Timothy write, or, uh, Paul writes 1 Thessalonians as a response to that report that Timothy brought that things were going very well. And that's where we get a lot of the information here. Okay, And uh, Acts 17, that's the historical section in the book of Acts uh, behind the establishing of the Thessalonians. You say it, no. I know it's early, and geography is a subject I failed, but 
So here you've got Rome, right? There's the boot of Italy. So this is going to be Greece, modern-day Greece. This is Turkey as we know it today. And uh, this whole area here was known as Macedonia in the time of the first century when the New Testament is being written. So you can see here's Philippi, here's Thessalonica, and then if you go all the way down, here's Corinth, Athens, and then on the other side, Ephesus and some of the other cities that we read about. Crete, where uh, Titus was. So uh, anyway, so that gives you an idea of where he's at, where's the church at, and what's going on here. Modern day uh, Thessalonica, pretty place, isn't it? Right on, the, right on the sea there. Remember that there was an important seaport there, so there was a lot of commerce coming and going through that port city, but there was also the major highway of travel in that day went right through Thessalonica. So both through uh, uh, sea and land, there were a lot of people coming and going. So a very strategic church uh, that God planted there. Okay, and then uh, this is the... Uh, Paul's second missionary journey, starting in Antioch, working up and over through Asia Minor, through Troas, across the uh, Aegean Sea. Then they're at Philippi. We read about that. Then they went through Amphipolis. Help me, Joan. Apollonia. Apollonia. Yes, Apollonia. That sounds like an 80s rock band, doesn't it? Um, Thessalonica, and then all the way down eventually to Corinth. Okay, so uh, he he founds the church here, comes down. Now he's down in Corinth, and he's writing these letters back to Thessalonica. Okay, so with that in mind, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace, as Paul introduces himself there to the Thessalonians. Of course, they know who he is. That's Paul's standard introduction. Um, We often say that grace was the first word on the apostle Paul's lips, right? Uh, praying for God's grace uh, and peace for them. Okay, so let's look at this first section here. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our, <coughs> excuse me, in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, His choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Okay, what's the lead off here? I mean, what, I mean, you, you, you see it on, on the notes there, but what have you noticed? We saw this in Philippians, we saw this in Colossians, we saw this in 1 Timothy. What, what's the subject that Paul very often leads off with? as he's writing to somebody in one of his letters. Thanksgiving. thanksgiving, yeah, prayerful thanksgiving, we might say. Prayerful thanksgiving. Um, can, I, can I suggest to you that thankfulness is a red-letter mark of spiritual health? Because we just see it over and over and over and over and over again. Not just in the New Testament, even in the Old Testament, the prophets of old, that a thankful heart is a healthy heart when it comes to spiritual things. And Paul exemplifies that. And, and notice, um, it's not like he's just been you know, thinking happy thoughts. Uh, no, that's not it. What, what leads him to be thankful? This is really interesting. Uh, he just got kicked out of Philippi. Why is he so thankful? Yeah. 
God was there. You know, he, you know, they had the whole thing in the jail, and then the jailer and his family get converted. And but, but I think the key, guys, is that Paul always looked past his circumstances to what God was doing through them. And this, this is so important. You and I will be more thankful people to God when we can learn to see His hand working in every situation. And, and that's what that's what this guy just does over and over and over again. It challenges me. I'm sure it challenges you that it's like why did and, and we know Paul went through seasons of discouragement. I mean, he was human like you and me. But but in prayer, and I think prayer was the vehicle. Uh, he used prayer to help keep this perspective in front of him that though there might be lots of reasons to be discouraged, he could see the hand of God working in the midst of whatever those hard circumstances happen to be. And that always brought him hope. So let's let's look now. Okay, the Thessalonians are being persecuted. That's not good. He's just been kicked out of Philippi. That's not good. Now he's in Corinth, and man, you know about Corinth, right? It's not like everything's going well there. So what was it that made him so thankful so let's just let's just look at some of these what does he pray about that that i think fuels his thankfulness what does he pray about yeah their faithfulness how they were growing look look at this he says we give thanks to god what's the next word does that challenge you um okay so i said a, a thankful heart is a healthy heart right um I'm just challenged by this, and I'm trying to put it into words. We ought to be a people that are not only thankful to God, but are habitually thankful to God, chronically thankful. We should be obsessive-compulsive thankers. Right? Is, is thankfulness the first thing that comes out of our mouths, especially when things are hard? And I know, I know, I know it's not, it, I can't say that's true for me all the time. But guys, here, here's, here's the standard. That, that praying to God and focusing on the things that we're going to look at are the formula that lead to a chronically thankful Christian. Now, have you ever been around someone like that? I mean, they've just, they've just never seen a, a dark cloud in the sky. You know, I'm not that there's not dark clouds, but you, you know people that are like that? They're just thankful. Uh, do you want to avoid those people or be around them? Talk to me. You want to be around them, don't you? What, what about what about the spiritual eors among us? Oh, woe is me. Looks like a dark cloud today, right? I mean, that, is that the type of people you like to hang around? Okay, so this this chat where Paul's going is he's going to show us the the power and the possibilities in terms of the example that you're living, the example that you're setting. And right out of the gate, Paul is showing us that one of the best ways we can be a faithful example of Christ is to live thankfully. And again, it's not like, you know, I'm just, I'm just not a very thankful person. I don't have that personality. I don't think that's it. I think thankfulness is a byproduct of praying to God regularly and focusing on particular things that God is doing. And when you're praying regularly and you're focusing on what God's doing, you're not gonna, you're, you can't help but be thankful. 
because you're going to see what God's doing. And God's always doing good things. So look at how this develops. We give thanks to God always for all of you making mention of you in our prayers. Why? Because your flag football team won last week? No. Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and your labor of love and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our God and Father. So what's he constantly mindful of, thankful of, praying about? What is it? What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Their faith, their labor for the gospel, their steadfastness, meaning this persecution is rising up, and they're not fleeing. They're digging in for the sake of the gospel. And um, and that that is so good. I hope. Do you guys do you guys read the missionary blurbs in the newsletter that we send out almost every week, or occasionally we'll get a whole missionary letter from one of our missionaries. And maybe I'm sure there's other missionaries you guys follow and support beyond the ones in our church. Uh, do you read those? Uh, read those. Think about those, and and recognize what God is doing around the world. And there are Christians in in much more difficult circumstances than you or I, and they're being faithful. And I don't know about you, when I see somebody in a harder situation living their faith and steadfast in their conduct and and productive in sharing the gospel, that encourages me, and it leads me to thankful prayer. So so let let's let's feed ourselves on the things that God is doing in the world, just like Paul is here, and respond in thankful prayer. And I think what that does is that that tunes the strings of our hearts to be a more thankful people when that's the process. Does that make sense? Do you see what he's doing here? Okay. So uh, what does he pray? He prays with thankfulness for the faith, the labor of love, the steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God. So he's he's saying, you guys are doing great, but he's saying that greatness is anchored in the fact that you're connected to a great Savior that's enabling you to do that. And it's important to see Paul's language there connecting that, right? It's hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and in the presence of our God and Father. Uh, he doesn't use the language, but... How do you do what's right in the face of difficulty and even persecution? But what, he says something here that I think is, is a perspective that helps us to be faithful in hard things. Did, did you catch it? What's the perspective here that he communicates that helps us to be faithful when times are hard? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yeah, our hope in the Lord. Okay, so our eyes are fixed, right, on our hope in the Lord. What's the next thing he says? In the sight of our God. What is that? Yeah. 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 Our Heavenly Father is watching. Remember what Solomon said to his boys? The ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all their paths. And, and in one regard, that can, be a, uh, uh, that can be a caution. If I'm thinking about going the wrong direction, I remember, hey, God's watching. I better not go that way, right? It can be a caution. But, but here, the picture here is these Thessalonians 
have their eyes fixed on the smile of their heavenly father. And that's why they can endure. That's why they're full of joy. Uh, and guys, this, this is one of the secrets, I think, to, to being a thankful believer and being a good example, is that we are motivated not by the applause of men, not by the comfort of circumstances, but by the smiling approval of our Heavenly Father who's watching all our steps. You and I can do what honors Jesus in hard things when we remember that our Heavenly Father is watching. And His smile is more valuable than all the accolades in the known universe, aren't they? And so we live like that. Now, now, the Bible has a code word for that. It's living in the fear of the Lord. What I'm describing, the Old Testament calls the fear of the Lord. We're living in the fear of the Lord, not like, oh, God's going to get me. That's not what fear means. Fear means I am so tuned in to a love for God, a trust in Him, and a desire to honor Him and please Him in everything I do, that that is the the motivational focus of my life and the decisions I make. And that means that I can do hard things and I can endure difficult circumstances because my eye is on pleasing our Heavenly Father and not just being comfortable or looking for the approval of other people. Okay, isn't that helpful? That's that's the perspective he's trying to help us to see. Uh, How often does he pray? We said that all the time. Okay, we should just all pray and repent right now, uh, because that's a real challenge. He prays constantly. But um, you you remember what Bunyan said, the guy that wrote Pilgrim's Progress? uh, Yeah, John Bunyan, Puritan, wrote Pilgrim's Progress. He says, um, "You can do many things after you have prayed, but you can really do nothing else." until you've prayed, right? And, and that's, I think, part of the model here is just a constant, regular prayer that was on his mind and on his heart. Look at this. Um, what specifically does he pray for? He, he, he's praying with thankfulness for the Thessalonians, for their faith, their labor of love, their steadfastness. But in verse 4, he changes it, and now he's going to talk about some some particular things in the lives of the Thessalonians that he's thankful for. Look at this, verse 4. Knowing, brethren, look at this, that you're beloved by God. You are the recipient of the specific, special love of God. He says next that knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. Can you think of anything more motivating for thankfulness than God said, I want you and my family. That God called these people out of darkness into light, called them to salvation, called them for his own purposes. Um, the, the, The elective call of God that's alluded to here is a great source of thankfulness and mercy. He says, I beloved by God, his choice of you, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. What do you, what do you mean by, what do you think he means by that? Yeah. Yeah. So many of these towns, Paul and Silas would come in, they'd share the gospel and they'd, uh, they'd beat them up and kick them out of the city. They come to Thessalonica. They share the gospel. What happens? 
people get saved. The Holy Spirit does his work. And have you, have you seen that before? Where maybe you've been sharing the gospel with somebody for, for years. And then there one day it's just like the Spirit just shows up. And there's no other explanation than that God did spiritual heart transplant surgery in that person. And Paul says, you know why I'm wound up? You know why I'm thankful to God? Because I got to witness a spiritual miracle in the conversion of you guys, the Thessalonians. I got to see, I got to see the, I heard the clanging of the Holy Spirit's medical scalpels in doing the surgery, right? And that, that's what he's saying. I'm getting to see God work in the heart of people. In full power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full Conviction, that that word conviction has the idea that we we see people fully embracing the gospel. And I'll show you in a moment to what degree they embrace the gospel, right? Look at this. Just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Meaning, meaning part of, part of that conversion process for the Thessalonians was they, they recognized and embraced the work of the apostles as being legitimate and authentic there. Okay? So, I just want to leave you with this first point, that the priority of thankful prayer, that we're, we are praying always specifically with thankfulness. Why? Because we see what God is doing in the lives of other people. And that, that gospel work is motivating and exciting to us and leads us to faithfulness. You, you know what that means? And this is a footnote. We, we have to have a value system that gets more excited about spiritual uh, success than we do cool stuff in the world. You know, I want my football team to win just like you want your football team to win, right? I, I want to have a, a, a comfortable home or a... Uh, a car that works or a, you know, I I want all these same things that you want. But we have to have a value system that says those things are great. That's not really what I get excited about. What I really get excited about is spiritually what's going on in the lives of people. And you guys understand that our excitement, our emotion for things follows the value we put on every, any given thing. So if I'm acting like a crazed lunatic when the Aggies win, it means I value the Aggies, right? That makes sense, right? And nothing wrong with that. That's great, unless you're a UT fan, and we'll talk about that later when we talk about conflict resolution. But, but what I'm saying is, that's awesome. I need to value the gospel that transforms the lives of people even more. And when I value that even higher than cool things in the world, then my excitement and my passion and my joy, my thankfulness will follow that value. Does that make sense? It's what you value. It's how much you value. So let's think about that. Okay, number two. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about imitating Christ and those who follow him. I, I told you that this chapter is really about uh, uh, being an example, being an imitator. Look at verse six. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. Okay? So let's, uh, let's look at this here. What do we learn about imitators and examples in this passage? What do, what do you learn? 
That was your cue. Not everybody at once. They're important. Yes, Lisa, they're important. That's right. Uh, give, give me a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, so, so Paul's wound up. He's constantly thankful. Why is he constantly thankful? Because they've been faithful. They've endured. They're doing a good work. And they're growing. So, so not just, oh, hey, we, we love Jesus. Yes, we do. We love Jesus. How about you? And they get the T-shirt and they go on with life. No, Paul says, we see you being an imitator of more mature Christians. You're growing. You're changing. Uh, and, and this is one of those passages where he says, you're, you're being an imitator of us and an imitator of Jesus. And, and that, that's really part of our goal, right? As Paul said elsewhere, you follow me as I follow Christ. Uh, we ought to be aiming to be like Christ as our ultimate example. But each of us, as we grow in sanctification, can be hopefully authentic examples of what Christ uh, would want us to be. So yeah, he says, uh, we, um, you also have become, became imitators of us and of our Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with joy of the Holy Spirit. So this is interesting. In what way does Paul say the Thessalonians have become like the apostles and like Jesus? There's a specific way. What's that? In affliction. Yeah. What did Jesus do when he was afflicted? That's right. First Peter chapter 2 says it, right? Though he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Though he suffered... He uttered no threats, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously, meaning the Father. Um, Jesus is the Son of God. If anyone could call a lightning bolt from heaven and it happened, he could have done that. If anyone could have asserted his right, you can't treat me like that, I have a right to that, he could have done that. But he didn't. He kept entrusting himself to God and did not retaliate. He walked through that tribulation uh, Hebrews says, for the joy set before him. So, so here, here, here's the thing. Here's, here's the model of, of imitating Christ, imitating the apostles. When we endure tribulation with a quiet, non-retaliatory, joyful heart. Whew, that's, that's hard, isn't it? But Paul says, they're doing it. These are baby Christians, and they're being persecuted. And Paul says, look at you. You're being like Christ. You have joy in the Holy Spirit, even though you're losing your jobs, you're losing your families, you're losing access to your synagogue, you're, and who knows what else is happening. Violence, we know, at least at some level. So, so that's the importance of what's going on here with imitation, imitators and, and examples. How did the Thessalonians receive the word? Look what it says here. They, uh, they received the word, how? In much tribulation and with joy in the Holy Spirit. Um, they didn't buy into Christianity because they thought, I can have my best life now. They received the word knowing it would cost them. It would cost them greatly. But they received the word of God in great tribulation. How could they do that? Because they had a joy 
of the Holy Spirit, joy from the Holy Spirit, we might say. What, what, what's that, that fruit of the Spirit? You remember that? The, the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in the life of Christians? It's in Galatians. There's a list there. What's the first one on the list? Love, then? Joy, then? Peace. And you know it, right? Okay. Where does That helps us to see that those attributes are the after effect of the Spirit's work. You know the Spirit's been there when you see those things. They're the footprints that the Spirit leaves. Um, When you see a person walking in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and so on. Um, Now look at this. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. So this is interesting too. Let's look look at one more thing here. Um, Think about their example and then we'll talk about our example. What is Paul saying their godly example of joy and thankfulness in the midst of persecution and difficulty, what effect did that have on other Christians in the area? Yeah. yeah. So, so here, here, here's where we get to the, the big idea of the day. You and I might never know the effect that our Christian example has on someone else. And what we're learning here is the potential is astronomical. You've got brand new Christians, they're being persecuted. The Thessalonians were responding in in joy and thankfulness. And there's all these other believers running around the region and they're, they're hearing reports about the faithfulness of the Thessalonians and the joy of the Thessalonians and the, 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 um, the work, the perseverance, the gospel work. They're not, nothing's stopping them. And I don't know about you, when I hear about an example like that, that motivates me to be faithful. It motivates me to, to want to be effective like that. And so part of what Paul is saying, he's commending them for their example because their example is having an incredibly influential effect on the surrounding region. Um, and we'll, we'll come back to this in a minute, but, but, but here, here's, here's sort of the, the application for us. Um, we may never know who's watching. We may never know who needs encouragement, who needs direction. And... Um, People are watching our example constantly, aren't they? You know, there are, there are young theologians in our midst. I'm talking to the old people now. Um, the things we say, the reactions we have, the, the words we use, the, the things we value, the, the lifestyle we choose, all of those things are mentoring and discipling the next generation, aren't they? Um, Good News Club, yeah, is a great example of that. When, when you and I go through a medical issue, a life issue, a financial issue, uh, the, the, the heartbreak and challenge and late nights and stress of caring for a, a parent who's, who's heading to the end of life or um, you know, going through a job transition or dealing with a difficult neighbor or um, in, enduring challenges with uh, uh, interpersonal conflict and family and a hundred other things. Our example can hold up the sufficiency of Christ as we are thankful and joyful and looking to Him. We're not perfect examples. No one is. We know that. 
But we, we want to be real examples of people that are drawing near to God and, and seeking with His grace and help to be faithful, to live for that smile of our Heavenly Father. And, and that example, guys, does more than probably hours and hours and hours of formal counseling. It really does. Because that example is powerful. It's real. And again, I know all of us would say none of us are perfect and, and we all blow it and we all struggle with those things. But, but let, let's remember that people are watching. And, and let's remember that that, that example is, is, in, is an incredible opportunity to do good in the lives of other Christians. As we see here, uh, the Thessalonians were to the, to the people in Macedonia and Achaia. Okay? So here's where we're going to just park the, the power of example. Look at verse 8. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. The word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Look at this. Every place your faith toward God has gone forth so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you. So so you get what's going on? He's saying... We don't even need to encourage you because the whole region is talking about you. The whole region is talking about your faith. Did you hear about those Thessalonians, those idolaters, those pagans? They turned to this Yahweh, this Jesus, from their idolatry. And they're paying heavy their families they're losing their families they're losing their jobs they're 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 being thrown into prison and that that message that example is is going out throughout the surrounding world paul says we don't even need to tell you about that because everybody else knows about you and uh what a reputation to have how you turn to god from idols to serve a living god and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead that is jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. So how is the conversion, this is interesting, how is the conversion of the Thessalonians described here? It, didn't, it doesn't say they trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I mean, that's what they did. But how is it described in this verse? One of my favorite uh, phrases here. They turned to God from idols. Now, Paul doesn't use the word, but that is a, a very specific reference to what? Repentance. Repentance is a spiritual U-turn, right? I'm going the wrong way. I'm living for myself. I'm living for idolatry. I'm, I'm a pagan. I'm, I'm living in sin. I stop. What happens? I hear the gospel. Ah, I'm going the wrong way. And then what do I do? 180 degree turn. I turn to God from my idols, right? From my sin. And then I worship and, and go a new direction. That, that's, that's repentance, that is a mark of true Christianity. This is not Christianity. I'm going the wrong way. I'm living for myself, living in sin. I hear about Jesus. Oh, that's nice. I accept that. Living for myself, living for idolatry. Living. That, that's not true conversion. I, I, I hear the gospel. I just accept it, but I keep living in the same direction. That's not repentance. Repentance is 180 degrees going the opposite. And that's how he's describing here their conversion. And, and remember, guys, that... Um, you don't have to have a Buddha in your bathroom to need to repent of idolatry. Okay, It's not just, I've got this statue and I bow down to it, people do that. In the Bible, idolatry is not about just some false god. It's idolatry of the heart. 
It's worshiping and serving, loving, clinging, trusting something else other than God. That's really the issue. Represented, of course, in some cultures in actual statues. But in good old-fashioned American society, uh, we don't have Buddhas in our bathroom, but we we love to live for ourselves, don't we? We idolize our own autonomy and living for self. And repentance is turning from living for self or whatever the idolatry is to God. And, and this was so dramatic. This is, this is so dramatic. Paul says, and everybody's heard about you. So here's, here's another challenge. Is our Christianity loud enough that people notice. Do you hear that example? Their Christianity was loud enough that everybody went, what's going on in Thessalonica? What happened to these folks, right? And and I'm afraid that sometimes we're much more comfortable with a lower volume Christianity that just wants to kind of blend in and not rot the boat too much. And and I'm not saying we're we're going looking for trouble and, and looking for some spiritual conflict, but our, our, our faith ought to be loud enough that other people notice. How, how can we have influence for the gospel if people don't see a difference? They don't see something has changed, and, and they wrongly conclude, oh yeah, Christianity just means you go to church, and I think they help out on Wednesday night with some kids, and that's it. As opposed to a, a 180 degree turn of life that's focused uh, on a life that seeks to please Jesus. Okay, so they they turn to God from idols, repentance. Uh, And and just in case you missed it, uh, repentance is is necessary for true conversion. There's no such thing as just, I accept Jesus and I keep on living. No, repentance and faith are two two sides of the same coin. If I'm trusting Christ, it's implying that I've turned to Christ away from my sin. Number two, what do people need rescue from? This is interesting. He says, uh, you turn to God from idols to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus. And what's Jesus going to do when he comes? He's going to rescue us from wrath. Sadly, the, 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 the Bible project, the, the videos that I've been showing you, this is one of the doctrines that they seem to deny. That uh, the whole idea of God's wrath needing to be satisfied. That punishment that you and I deserve and earned because of our sin has to be paid for by Christ on the cross. It's called propitiation. That's the sacrifice of Christ that satisfies God's wrath, God's punishment. And um, so that's, that's it, right? They've turned to God from idols. They're serving a living and true God. Everybody knows it. Everybody can see it. Everybody said, man, what's happened with these guys? And what are they doing? They're waiting for Jesus' return. They're eagerly awaiting for Jesus' return uh, as he comes to rescue us from the wrath of God. All right. How's your example? I think we can learn something from these Thessalonians in terms of the power and opportunity that our example allows us to have. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these reminders that um, that the gospel really does radically change the lives of people and that our Christianity should be a louder volume Christianity in that 
we don't want to go pick fights or, or cause difficulties, but we want to live in a way that we have gospel influence toward the people around us. Lord, sometimes we're tempted to be timid. Uh, sometimes we're tempted uh, in terms of what people will think of us. And I pray, Lord, that we would fix our eyes on our Heavenly Father and our great Savior, the Lord Jesus, and that we might live for His smile and that we might value His approval more than any other thing and that that would lead us to thankful, regular prayer as we see what You're doing in this world and we joyfully assume our part in being faithful to do that. Lord, I pray in our families, uh, in our workplace, in our schools, and in our church right here in Granbury, that you would make us a loud-volume gospel witness uh, that many others might be drawn to Christ. Now, Lord, make this a day for us to ask you for help in our hearts as we identify things we need to change for that to be realized. We're grateful that you're walking with us and you'll help us. In Jesus' name, amen.